When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to this week's Failed Critics Podcast, which is our first anniversary special. Anniversary or birthday, what are we going for? I like birthday. Yeah, it's an- our first birthday. Anniversary implies that I've been married to one of you three, and, and while it feels like a marriage at times, uh, it's certainly not. <laughs> Take my wife, <laughs> <Yeah>. please. <laughs> Uh, so yes, we've been going for one whole year, so James is going to explain to you what's special about this podcast and what we're doing differently to usual. Yeah, um, basically, uh, hello everyone, it's me. Um, I can't quite believe it's been going a year. It's Nor, nor it's, can anyone. No, no, exactly. Um, yeah, we're as surprised as anybody listening, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, <laughs> just, just a year ago, three of us. Because uh, obviously, you know, late comer Owen, not there at the time. Uh, <laughs> three of us got onto Skype to chat about Cabin in the Woods. Um, well, probably, probably when we were at our best, when we were just a trio. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, cheers, Dave. Pleasure. Yeah, we we were, we were tight then, weren't we? we were, yeah, we were James, tight. James just emailed me. J- James just emailed me one day and said, "I think we're missing someone who specialises in horror movies, particularly zombie movies, and watches literally a hundred movies a week. What do you think?" <laughs> and I said, "Well, it's, it's your podcast. You're in charge, mate. I personally don't think we need anyone else, but it's your call." And, <laughs> and then Owen turned up, so. I know, because I, I remember Owen Owen kind of showed an interest right at the beginning, and I think he was worried, uh, and then he obviously had a few episodes and thought, actually, can't do much worse than that. If they so, can um, do it, I can do it, yeah, sure. I can't, yeah. Um, I can't make so, yeah, it any worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so today's our, our first birthday, uh, we've been going a year, so what we're doing a little bit differently this week, I haven't got a main review, uh, what we've been watching is... Uh, what we've been watching, second opinion. So we've all watched films that the rest of us have either um, praised to the skies or loathed or probably a little bit in between as well over the last year. So we're going to get some some second opinions on some of uh, the films that we've seen over the last year. And then we've got a little question time section uh, in the second half where uh, we asked our, our our loyal listeners and our followers on Twitter to, um, to j- just try and... Uh, interview us and find out a bit more about us or something. I, I've no idea how it's going to work out. I've, I've um, no idea why people want to know anything about us, really. I know, exactly. Uh, you know, it's it's a mystery to me. Um, but yeah, that, that that's the way we're looking at it. And then we've, we've got a few new ideas about things and going on from this, we're, we're aiming to be a little bit more polished and professional in a kind of like all new failed critics way, but without actually many changes 
it's um because we uh we evolve but we don't revolve that that's that's what we're looking at here exactly yes <laughs> but we will um start this podcast off as we start off most podcasts with the quiz um, oh yeah i'm lagging behind so it better be an easy one for me this week Steve. Well, i don't know if we can class it as an easy one we, we never know um first film in this actor or actresses list is swimming pool in brackets aka the pool from 2001 okay to, uh, next film scooby doo um, then we'll, oh, okay, it's not who I thought it might be, okay. Then we'll go to... You knew somebody who was in Swimming Pool, a.k.a. The Pool. I, yeah, I, I know the star. I, I know, I'm know. i pretty sure... Um, you know someone who's in Scooby-Doo. <laughs> no, I don't know that. That's why I don't think it is that. I don't think the person I, I know from Swimming Pool was in, uh, was in Scooby-Doo. Anyway, anyway. We, we, we digress. Sorry? Can we have multiple guesses? <laughs> yeah, but only like what you just you guess can, everyone in your you, you can only have you can only have one at a time, but you can have more than one guess if no one guesses it. Obviously, I heart Huckabees is next. Wedding crashes. Oh, I know his face, but I have no idea of his name. The lookout. Hot rod. Oh God! Uh, yeah, I don't know his name. De- I know him. He was, you're going to say without a paddle next, aren't you? No, I'm going to say definitely, maybe. Oh no, I'm thinking of who I was thinking of. Ooh. And then I'm <clears> going <throat> to say, voice for this one, obviously, is an animated film. Horton hears a who. Uh, then con- <laughs> confessions of a shopaholic. Oh my! Um, it's James. Yes, James. Isla Fisher. It is. Oh, <laughs> outstanding. Yeah. Yes, I can I, see. I, I know she was in Wedding Crashes, and I was pretty sure she was in some kind of shopping thing. Oh wow! I, no, um, I was trying to go through the massive list of cast of Horton Here's a Who because I was trying to think in my head. I was like, I'm sure there's well, loads of famous people in that. I was getting to more. Uh, she, she was also in Rango and Rise of the Guardian. So, oh, wow. oh, I was trying to think of people who are in uh, Scooby Doo. I thought is it Sarah Michelle Geller or Sarah something Michelle like that. Sarah Michelle Geller and uh, Freddie Prince Jr. I was thinking that guy with the, the book Matthew Lillard. Yes, that's his name. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, that was my shout as well. Oh, well. <laughs> I'm ripping up this quiz. Well, in, <laughs> in, in, this quiz in, in, in Scooby-Doo, she played Mary Jane, who was Shaggy's girlfriend. Now, from the cartoon, Shaggy never had a girlfriend. Oh, Shaggy's, so, Shaggy's right hand was his girlfriend, clearly. Or possibly <laughs> the dog. I, let's not get yeah, into that. Yeah, dog. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I don't really know where that's come from. Um, I'm fed up with films reinventing cartoons like that. Yeah, just sick of it. Mm. Anyway, bonus, bonus. Is she the one who is she married to? Sasha Baron Cohen. Yes. Yeah. Didn't she used to go out with um, Darren Day? Fun fact. Yes, I think she did. This isn't Heat Magazine, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Who have you spotted outside your local nightclub this week, Jerry? I don't go to the local nightclub, Steve. What do you think I am? Some kind of person? Nuno Gomez. <laughs> go, man. Nuno Gomez doesn't go out. He'd be mobbed by hordes of women if he ever left the house. He has to live under house arrest. He only goes to training and games because otherwise he'd just be attacked by screaming women constantly. Such a dreamboat. 
He was he was voted the sexiest man in Portugal ahead of Ronaldo, like by a, by a Portuguese newspaper. Yeah, so he's easily the sexiest man in Blackburn. Blackburn here, by the way, just just to clarify. Do you know what the the real um this is the real quiz. This is the bonus round. Who is the no. only member of the podcast who has been on every single edition of the podcast? Steve. Steve is the correct answer. It is, yes. Although, technically, the uh, Glasgow Film Festival uh, podcast um, was an edition of the podcast. In that, was, that, was, that was a spin-off. That was kind of like... Fra- <laughs> that was, that was, okay. was Frasier to Cheers. Okay. <laughs> oh, that makes sense, yeah. yeah. Does that make me Kelsey Grammer then? Awesome. Right, I'm, I'm all over that. Okay. I prefer to think of it as like Kirby Enthusiasm to Seinfeld and James as Larry David. <laughs> that that would be that oh, that'd be nice. Yeah, I, I wish I could blame all of my failings on being Larry David. Or it was um, Joey to Friends. So, oh, well, ouch! <laughs> ouch! <laughs> I thought it was quite good quality. To be fair, let's not, let's not denigrate it with the Joey name. Any, any, <laughs> no, uh, it was good. Uh, shall shall we move on to some news? Yeah, um, yeah, we got. <laughs> I think it was just very briefly. Every, every bit of news at the moment either seems to be superhero film related or Star Wars related. That that's the only news that yeah. seems to come out about films. Uh, there's a there's a dodgeball sequel. There you go. That's not there, news. There is... That's not news. That's just depressing. <laughs> there is that news, is of course, weird, about uh, yeah. what about Reese Witherspoon? You know. Uh, yeah, let's let's go. We, we've been quite heat already today, haven't we? Let's let's go for a bit more heat. Yes, this is, this is a this is a new direction for the podcast <laughs> for the second year. We're just going to gossip about the people in films rather than talk about films themselves. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She got arrested for something. I actually, I still don't even know what it was about because because I literally don't care that much about film stars getting arrested. I but just she like- arrested. What for? Her? It, yeah, it's not It's not that big a deal. She got arrested for drink driving, I think, or her husband did, and she sort of started on the policeman calling. Uh, I think she said, uh, do you, wouldn't you find out who I am, or do you, you know my name? Yeah, she, she, uh, pulled out the, she pulled out the do you know who I am line. Yeah, if I want to see her chin and not know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and he didn't recognise her. That's, that's got to be even more embarrassing. That's, that's quite funny, actually. It's still, still um, probably get more points than me on the quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I probably wouldn't recognise um, her anyway if she was sat naked next to me now. She's not, by the way. There's an image. There's <laughs> an image that I can't get out, mate. Uh, anyway, the news that comes to my mind was that um, obviously we've had the trailer for Thor 2, which is part of the gear up to the Avengers 2. Has anyone else yes, seen it? Yeah, phase two of the Avengers, yes. obviously starting with Iron Man next week. Um, yeah, I've not seen the Thor 2. Well, I, I've still not even seen Thor. Um, I've got it f- installed free on my phone that I got the other day, and I've still not bothered to watch it, but I've heard it's all right. Thor is, Thor is pretty good, actually. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I like the idea of Kenneth Branagh directing a Marvel superhero film, so I like the idea. It's, of, it, that that, that doesn't sound like a, two things that would marry up, does it? It doesn't, but um, at the same thought. Well, I, all I've seen of Thor on film is in the Avengers, and he was very Shakespearean, and I liked that a lot. So I'm hoping that yeah, his direction's pretty good. To be fair, it's pretty tight. I mean, yeah. I think I think he's still getting better at doing 
proper films rather than Shakespearean direction, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But, it, like, you know, it's, it's, it's a good film. It's pretty well put together. It's not great, but as superhero films go, as, as blockbusters go. It's got the lovely Natalie Portman as well, hasn't it? It has indeed. Oh, that's a nice little dynamic between the two of them as well. Okay, cool. And, and the other bit of news which is related to the Avengers Phase 2 is that Don Cheadle was hinted that his character from um, Iron Man series uh, was it War Machine? Yeah, War yeah. Machine. He he is hinted that he will be in Avengers Part Two okay. in in some role, in some capacity. Obviously, it'll be War Machine, but in some capacity. Um, okay, uh, they're, yeah, they're making the band bigger. I'm, I'm interested. Well, in I, th- that. I think um, I think they will be making because they've obviously got Guardians of the Galaxy starring Dave Bautista from wrestling. So mm. <laughs> you know, and, uh, I think that it it will be getting bigger. Um, kind of makes sense, really. You can't, because apparently it'll be explained in Iron Man Three why all his mates from the Avengers can't come and help him. I thought if they don't explain that, they'll just annoy me throughout the whole film. Yeah. For, yeah. For, as soon as the bad guy turns up, they've got to explain that for me, or else it'll just irritate me. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it is going to be interesting seeing how the all these Phase Two films do fit together. Um, and the other thing I am very excited about, and I'm hearing more information about, is the um, the Shield TV series, uh, which Joss Whedon is currently also preparing mm. for an American network. And apparently, um, Agent Coulson, Coulson uh, is definitely going to be in that. And that is also going to be another thing that's going to be interesting in terms of how they explain that, because apparently it does take place post Avengers, but it's got Agent Coulson in it. Didn't didn't Don't know um, how that's going to work? Didn't um, at the time when Avengers were released, President of America Barry Barmer tweet um, Joss Whedon and say that he better not actually be dead. Really? I'm sure that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it, if it didn't, I. I might, let's just make sure that we, people think it did. We never saw. We never brilliant. saw the body. That's no, the true. Of, that's the rule of comic book deaths. Yeah. I'm afraid if yeah. you don't yes. actually see them dead and gone, yeah. they're not dead. No. Yeah, and and people have been built back from the dead as well. Yeah, we've got. We, we could have a RoboCop scenario here or something like that. But um, but that yeah, that's really good. And I'm really excited to see what someone does with a proper, heavily uh, funded. Marvel spin-off TV series because I, I think done properly, TV could be a brilliant way for uh, comic books to go because we've not really had great comic book TV series for years unless someone could can think of a really obvious one I'm missing. Um, well, Arrow's pretty big, pretty successful. Bits of The Walking yeah, Dead. I, I, I saw a trailer for it. I just didn't want to watch it. It looked poor. I'm sorry. <laughs> some some of the uh, Walking Dead's been. been and I, 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 I'll be honest, I'd never even heard of Arrow before the TV series. Either. I mean, I mean, a proper one that I might have heard of. Isn't in the comics? Isn't isn't in the world of comic books? Green Arrow related to the Lone Ranger? Not as far as I'm aware. I look it. Look it up. I think I'm right, Owen. It's related to <laughs> the Lone it, Ranger. Look it up, Oliver Queen. <laughs> look look okay. it up. There are some superheroes related to the Lone. Look it up now. Do it. While we're talking, do it and tell me I'm right. <laughs> yes, sir. Just type it in. Green Arrow, Lone Ranger, and it'll be fine. Um, yes, I it's think... better not come up with some kind of goatsy image or something. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> some secret password to... 
fill my computer with Anyway, sh- should we stop talking nonsense and go on to what we've been watching? Green yeah. Hornet, you're thinking of. Green Hornet. Oh, Green... Yeah. What? Stop doing so many superheroes with the prefix green. There's too many. Yeah, green Lantern, Green Hornet, yeah. Green Arrow. Gr- green Hulk, because there's yeah. different colour Hulks and they've got to distinguish them. So, well, yeah. yeah, so stop it, comic books. <laughs> uh, what we've been watching then, James, why don't you start us off? Okay, so yeah, we decided this week what we've been watching. Is, um, well, originally it was we were going to watch one film that one of the critics had raved about in the last year and one that they'd hated. I'm not quite sure how that's played out in reality. Um, but I, at least I've stopped the, uh, the rules here. <laughs> um, the first one, um, I remember Jerry towards the end of last year uh, said that before Sunrise, the 1995 Richard Linklater film was one of the worst and most pretentious films he'd ever seen. Would that be right, Jerry? Yeah, pretty much. Bang on. Okay. Okay. So, but I looked at that and I, I knew of its um, reputation and it was always a film that I thought, no, I think I would like that. So I, I went in. I thought, okay, Jerry hated this. Let's see what happens. Uh, it stars Ethan Hawke as Jesse, uh, an American tourist who meets Celine, played by Julie Delpy on a train in Austria, as they're both travelling through Europe. They make an instant connection, and Jesse persuades Celine to spend the day and night with him in Vienna before he has to catch his flight home in the morning. Now, some films are framed by our own experiences, and how we how we enjoy a film depends on what we bring to the table. This is a film that I actually enjoyed as the in the context of someone who always wanted to travel around Europe but never got a chance to. So that's where I'm coming from here. It's essentially a fantasy film for me. And in that context, I actually really, really liked it. Um, there are some wonderful shots of Central Europe by train as the film opens. And I think throughout the film, Link later shows Vienna in quite a beautiful light, some very interesting locations. Um I'm a big fan of contained stories and the fact that this film takes place over less than 24 hours for me gives it really good focus considering not much actually happens. Uh, I will concede that point. Not a lot happens. It's about people's experiences. Uh, I think it's a, it's an exploration of self-fulfillment and self-discovery through a significant other. Jesse in uh, played by Hawk is he's basically disguised as a cynic uh, a, a romantic disguised as cynic and behind he's got this cocksure self-confidence which rubbed me up the wrong way for the first 15-20 minutes of the film and then but and then, what I'm... unfortunately it did not descend into downright hate for the rest of the film <laughs> no 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 because behind it I could see there was an insecurity uh, a desire not to be alone and like yeah at times I thought his manner and the things he said were frustrating they were annoying they were hugely pretentious but then i just suddenly i I remember back to being that age um and everyone that age when trying to impress a girl that they've just met probably comes across as a bit of a dick um and and i started to actually think that it was quite endearing how much of an effort he was making to look effortlessly cynical because he actually did care about making a connection with this woman um and i honestly I, I was drawn into this relationship uh julie delpy is a dream uh she's smart she's funny incredibly beautiful um and i i've I watched this film thinking of all the adventures that i didn't have um 
of meeting a million and one Julie Delpies while schlepping my way across Europe. And so, yeah, I, I, I really fell in love with the film, Jerry. I'm sorry. Um, I'm, I've got Before Sunrise now, to uh, Before Sunset, the sequel, to watch. And, and I'm quite excited about Before Midnight later on this year now because I just I, I fell in love with with the film. Sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> I think I, so, yeah. Yeah, there might be a sort of... I can see why it would appeal to sort of rose-tinted views of looking back on wishing that you had freedom and all this kind of shit. But frankly, <laughs> it's just toss. It's just self-absorbed, pretentious toss. Which is no, exactly why James talk. liked it. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't. He didn't like Five Hundred Days of Summer because he thought it was sort of too artificially quirky, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think I do think it's interesting that we have got completely opposite views on those two films, and I'm sure there's something psychologically to be said about that. I just don't. I have no idea what. Well, we'll probably be having this conversation later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you'll probably go say it's just that you've got better taste in film, Jerry. But um, well, I didn't want to say that, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, I shall leave one contention. Uh, the next one that I watched, we got a Steve review really early on, and he's been trying to get me to watch ever since. And I finally did, and that's Troll Hunter. Um, which I'm thinking it was probably the second or third uh, podcast that we did that Steve mentioned, Troll Hunter. Um, now, anyone who's listened to the podcast or had the misfortune to speak to me on Twitter about film will know that will know my feelings on the found footage genre. I seem to get into an argument about it every week, quite often with Owen. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get found footage um, on the whole, and. The, forced ultra reality actually has the opposite effect on me and I'm not saying ever uh, I'm left unable to suspend my disbelief because I cannot get over the fact that normal people just don't film every boring second of their lives okay that's the one thing so but moving beyond that I love mockumentaries I love fake documentaries especially ones done with a bit of humor best in show spinal tap um you know these kind of films absolutely adore and found footage films based on the supposed footage of documentary crews are the one found footage some subgenre i can get on board with so that's i had high hopes because um i think steve really really liked this film and have you two seen this one as well yep no i've not seen it okay but i know i wouldn't have enjoyed it um no no steve liked it and it had subtitles uh, uh, so high hopes um well, yeah, so we're talking, yeah, nine out of ten here at least. Uh, if Steve can get through a whole film reading it, then we, we know we're on to a winner there. Um, so, yeah, basically it's presented as the recovered footage um, of a university film crew who are investigating some be- uh, number of bad deaths in Norway, uh, and all of a sudden they're on the trail of a mysterious poacher. Now, like all films of this type, I did think it was a bit slow to get going. I, you know, the scene setting and the purposefully bland conversation 
I, to be honest, I, I turned the film off after 20 minutes the first time I tried to get through it. I thought, no, I, can't, I just can't watch another one of these films again. But I'm professional. I went back to it. And I'm really glad I did. I really enjoyed this film. Um, it's funny. It's very funny in places, actually. It's quite black in places, but it, it, it's funny. It spins a really interesting take on um, age-old fairy tales. And uh, I know Hollywood's trying to do a lot of kind of, oh, let's look at uh, the fairy tales from a different angle, you know, with uh, the most recent Jack the Giant Slayer type nonsense and uh, Snow White and the Huntsman and all that kind of thing. But I, this, to me, seems far more original and fresher to look at fairy tales from this point of view. What if these creatures still exist now? How would governments deal with them? Um, actually, a few of the scenes featured something slightly higher up the scale from Mild Peril as well. There are a few kind of scary moments in this. Um, it is... I think the film is held together by the uh, the eponymous troll hunter Hans, mm. played by Arto Jesperson. He, he is fantastic. I think one of the um, funny scenes is when he goes to kind of fight a troll in what looks like homemade armor. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Like the um, like Homer's bear suit in the Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that that is a brilliant scene. Um, and I think it's really great because in in this film, and this isn't a criticism of the found footage format. This is a criticism of a lot of the people who use found footage. They sometimes forget that you actually need to have a decent story and a dynamic screen presence. Um, to still make you can't just rely on the footage and i think i think it, that's the common ground me and owen have is when found footage films are done badly they're, they're really bad um, so there was no xbox connect in this film was there not <laughs> no there was no xbox connect in this film um and, and yeah it was what really made the film for me actually were the little pieces to camera from hans um when he's talking about, he's explaining the differences between different trolls, like completely matter of fact, um, talking about his life as a troll hunter. And there's one story which reminded me of um, the scene in Jaws where they're talking about their injuries. Yeah, there, there was that kind of sense of real importance and brilliant acting and the bureaucracy of his superiors in the Norwegian government and things like that. And I'm never going to look at electric pylons in the same way ever again. Yeah, it, it, there was a wonderful imagination behind this film. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And the trolls themselves are actually really well done. Yeah, I think um, I said that at a time. I don't know what the budget's like for Norwegian <clears> cinema, <throat> but I doubt it's anywhere near you know, UK, yeah. UK cinema, let alone Hollywood. And the trolls look yeah. good. You'd have thought, you know, you might have thought they're going to look a bit crap, really, because there can't be that much money behind a film like this. But they look fantastic. They look believable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, They also look kind of comic as well at the same time. And I like that. They look like old trolls from fairy tales. And I like the fact that they didn't try and come up with this new, scary-looking, kind of modern take. It's like, no, these are these are trolls. That's brilliant. They're just big motherfucking trolls. <laughs> um, and, and so a few great set pieces, especially the first encounter, I think, is handled really well. And, yeah, it's it has renewed my faith in the ability of people to use found footage genre, uh, found footage in in an innovative way. So... No, I really enjoyed both those films, so thank you. Uh, so, yeah, a weird kind of thank you to Jerry, but uh, but a more genuine thank you to Steve. Good. Um, Jerry, how about you then? What film have you watched? Uh, well, I've been watching 
I've been watching a lot of TV. Broadchurch finished this week. I know I keep banging on about Broadchurch. Finished this week. It's probably going to be out on DVD soon. Really, really good. This, uh, apparently they're going to have a second series, which I can't see how that's going to work, but really good. And quite pleasingly, I guessed the killer in the second episode. I was quite proud of myself. Um, but in terms of films for this thing, uh, I've only seen Sightseers, which was James's, was it your number one film for last year? No, no, um, but it, it was in my top ten. It was in my top ten. I think it was on my official, it was at number ten in my official ten. Although I, Owen watched my favourite film from last year but we'll come on to that yeah uh, I really like it though, yeah. Sexy, don't know it is a sort of it's so British it should be wearing a bowler hat and dancing down the street towards you in a Union Jack suit do you know what I mean it's like real British humour um, and it's it's a tale of a weirdo with a beard and his weirdo girlfriend going on a caravan holiday through like the Peak District and up through Yorkshire and into the Lake District and it sounds like the most uneventful film ever. Uh, but actually what happens is, um, similar to God Bless America, which I absolutely loved last year, uh, he takes it upon himself to exact retribution on people who don't respect him or society, shall we say. Uh, I think I think a lot of people talked about how funny this is. I don't think it was consistently funny. It was good. I enjoyed it, but I'm, it wasn't the funniest film I've seen. And there was some very black humour in it. The special effects for the sort of gore, shall we say, were quite graphic and uh, quite, you know, pretty good actually. They were pretty high quality. You know, they weren't they weren't taking the piss with these. They really went to town, sort of in a, in an eighties B movie horror movie kind of way. Lots of blood. Yeah, it's it's brutal in that sense isn't it and i think um because it's ben wheatley isn't it and so clearly it's been directed by someone with a huge grounding in horror yeah i think this is the first film of his that i've seen as well interestingly mm. enough i had i hadn't really um you know i wasn't really aware i haven't seen kill list but you know a lot of people say really good things about the kill list um, and he's got a new one coming out as well. He's, 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 he did want a segment in the ABCs of Death as well, which was mm. uh, last year. But, I mean, this was good. It, it's not... On the poster, it says, the best British comedy since Four Lions. It isn't that good. Don't go into it expecting it to be that good. It's not, you know, absolutely hilarious like that. And laugh out loud funny in places, but not consistently. But it's a good film. It's very British. It was quite nice to see some places that I know on it Blue John Cabin it looks really nice doesn't it you know some of the cinematography is lovely just because just because the Peak District uh, and you know that area is just so nice to hang out in the Lake District it's so nice to hang out in yeah and uh, there was a lot of care taken with how it was shot you know there was, mm. there was a lot of so you could tell that he, he and the filmmakers you know the whole cinematographers everyone involved really had it sort of they, they have a passion for the area and they have a passion for the British countryside and that came through all the way through and I think in the script as well you know it's, it's heavily based around it um, the two main actors carry it pretty well it's very uncomfortable at times because they, they do it so well actually you know and, and the, the, the sex scenes oh yeah I was, I was eating to one of them yeah no 
Oh. Yeah, it's it, it, it is really uncomfortable because apparently they came up with those two characters about five years ago because they both do stand-up comedy and stuff like that. So they've been working on those characters for a very long time. And I do think that comes across. Well, the thing I was going to ask, right? Uh, Alice Lowe's character, called yeah, Tina, yeah, and her character in um, Hot Fuzz is called Tina as well. Hmm. So I was wondering. If I've not noticed there. that. I was I was hoping that Steve would be able to tell me. Having watched his uh, trivia track, Tina yeah. and Tina and Hot Fuzz. I'm trying to think who that is now. Uh, she's in like Harry Enfield and stuff. Who does she play in Hot Fuzz? Like what? I can't remember. I can't think. Her character is called Tina. What I, can't, I, I can't remember exactly what she does. To be honest, I, I, when I IMDb'd her, her character was called Tina. So I thought, oh. Hello. It's on TV this Sunday. Just it's always know, on it's bloody best TV. Film of the day on Sunday. It's, 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 <laughs> what, it's one of the only six films that ITV2 seems to have the rights to. Yeah. But yeah, overall, good film. It's not great, but it's worth a watch. Do you know what it reminded me of? Uh, what I would say is if I think it would really appeal to anyone who is a fan of the League of Gentlemen TV series yeah. and um, Nighty Night, the Julia Davis sitcom which hardly anyone watched but which is utterly utterly fantastic it, it, it is brilliant in that i'm glad you yeah. like it as well james because I, I struggle to find people who've seen it 99 is just yeah. incredible it is that is proper watch behind your fingers god i can't believe they're <laughs> doing this television i, yeah. I don't know and i think if you like 99 then you'll you'll share the same sense of humor and sense of uh Macabre pathos that sites. Yeah, it's a bit of a well. sort of it's in that tradition with Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. That yeah, that whole kind of very British, very dark way of looking at things. And you know, it's good, but it's not outstanding for me. It was just good. Um, so none of you wanted to watch Cutthroat Island or John Carter of Mars then. <laughs> <laughs> the thing I was gonna, but I, I just decided I couldn't. I couldn't be bothered. Sorry, Steve. They're very long and they look insane and awful. They they uh, are, essentially. <laughs> uh, I hope my article on Cutthroat Island is, is going up soon. It's probably the best thing I've ever written about film. It's up, Steve. Is it? It's up. Excellent. Yeah, it's up. So <laughs> check the website. Yeah. I don't tend to read the stuff I've already written. I've already read it once. Uh, fair enough. Uh, anyway. But yeah, it's up. I have watched two films that are in the disliked category for one reason or another. I won't go into it. It's all very boring. But uh, one was the, the the Divide, which James watched, and it was set in New York amidst what is some kind of attack or something. They don't really explain what it is, but um, there's something happens, and some people who live in the same building end up locking themselves in the basement to try and save themselves. Um, and while they're down there, and they don't really know what's going on in the outside world, other than a few little things that they manage to ascertain, they start getting sicker, but then, you know, there's the mental breakdown, there's the, you know, downfall of society shown within these eight people or so who are trapped in this basement. Um, James hated it, didn't you? Well, I thought it was well made. It just made me feel sick. It made me feel like I'd spent a year watching it and I had lost all 
people faith in humanity. I think I'd agree with that. I think that it started <laughs> well. It, it started well. It just got bleaker and bleaker, but also more stupid as it went on. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. And it just ended. But by you know, up to halfway through, I'm thinking, right, I actually want to know what happens at the end. Um, and then after yeah. after that, you're just thinking, I really want this film to. I don't care anymore. It's just depressing, miserable, and getting a bit stupid. I'm, yeah, I've just. I, I've... It's got Michael Bean in it, um, which was nice. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so it could have done horrible. with Mr. It could have done with Mr. Bean. Cheer it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there is not one drop of humour in that. But it is possibly the most humorless film I have ever seen. Uh, and the other one that I watched was Storage Twenty Four. Oh God, why'd you do um, it to yourself? Well, basically, either all the all the good films were being reviewed by someone already, I'd seen already, or um, this isn't my anti-subtitle thing, but I was, you know, doing some. I was working. I was working from home, so I couldn't really have a film on that had subtitles, something like Holy Motors, and try yeah. and and try and work from home, so I didn't have. I couldn't read and do a laptop at the same time. Oh. So, Do you know what? Can I just say, I'd love to have got a Holy Motors review from Steve. Steve, promise me one day you will review Holy Motors. <laughs> I'll do it, I'll do it for like next that. week. I'll, do it, I'll watch it this week before we do Iron Man 3, and I'll, I'll do it next cool. week. That will complete podcasting. Uh, that, I've, I've, I've got genuine excitement about that review already. <laughs> but then do you again, know what? I've yeah. rented that as well, so I'll, I can watch it and we can have a group oh, discussion yes, on it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, anyway, <laughs> uh, Stories 24... I didn't mind. You know how I said Oblivion was like a a decent, a good sci-fi film that you went in and watched and then came away mm. and instantly forgot about it. Yeah, I thought Story Twenty Four was kind of the same, but not as good. It was like it was it was okay. I could watch it. I didn't dislike it, but I've already really forgotten most things about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's some people in a storage facility and an alien crashes in there and tries to kill them all. That's all you need to know, really. <laughs> so bad. Um, I th- kind of wanted to like it being a British alien, essentially. Um, the thing that annoyed me the most was while the alien didn't look bad, it seemed to keep changing like size. One minute it seemed to be like yeah. as big as the building they were in, and then sort of the next scene it sort of be like eight foot tall, like just a little bit taller than Noel Clark. And yeah. that that kind of annoyed me, but I didn't really mind the film. But I can't ever say I'm going to watch it again. The twist, the twist at the end was okay as well. I think that annoyed me as well. <laughs> I think a lot of things about that film annoyed me. Um, the terrible kind of relationship stuff going on in there, which was poor. Ultimately, I think it was like. Um, it was like a kind of supermarket value brand version of Attack the Block. And and I thought Attack the yeah, Block I see what... had just enough great wit and stuff about it to be a decent film. Mm. It wasn't amazing. It wasn't as good as I hoped it would be, but I liked Attack the Block. This was like someone had just made a really horrible derivative generic version of Attack the Block. And that I think that made me more angry than the actual quality, which isn't great. And um, if anyone's wondering where Jerry currently is, he's gone to <laughs> save his girlfriend from a spider. Oh, I'm, I'm here. Oh, you're back. Uh, talk us, talk <laughs> us through that. Big, Steve. Talk us through that. Um, the spider. Yeah, it's a small spider. Uh, they needed removing. To such a man. 
Yeah. How big are we talking? Light bulbs and everything. How how big are we talking <laughs> spider wise? Oh, it was tiny. Like it was a really small one. Uh, <laughs> and how did you just did you just pose it by manner of death, or did you say did you spare its life? I'd usually spare their lives, but because I was in a rush, I just flushed. I just like rinsed it down the sink. Shall we say? Yeah. Like, You've given it a fighting chance there. If it can swim, it's got a fighting murderer. chance. Murderer. That's, that's all it can ask for. I think if Steve's like Batman for his saving the guy after the, the kebab stuff, Jerry's a bit more like the Punisher. Just kill it. <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah, a... watch sightseers and I just have no pity for anything. <laughs> Whereas I'm a, I'm a man of justice. <laughs> That's one word for. Yeah. Although if films influence your morality, haven't you watched a pretty, you know, the divide is not exactly... You also watched Compliance this week, didn't you, Steve? No, I was going to try and watch it today, but I ran out of time. Because so. that would have completed just the worst... Oh, that I can't imagine watching those three films in a week. That would be horrendous. Save it until you've watched something happy. Is Holy Motors happy? It's mental. <laughs> <laughs> and you get to see Eva Mendes quite naked. There you go. Good. Uh, Owen, this... this uh, <laughs> round off what we've been watching gold um, with your uh, films. Okay. Uh, I watched a couple. Um, one that I'll, I'll talk about first, which um, I know we've already talked about it actually. James hated it and Jerry quite liked it. It's 500 Days of Summer. I hated how by being so annoyed at this film, I ended up liking it. <laughs> that's, that's an interesting way to so, go. It's, yeah, I mean, it's... it's um... Explain, Owen. Okay, I'll explain. <laughs> <laughs> Both of Joseph, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Zoe Deschanel are so incredibly annoying in this film. Yeah, at points, you just want to sort of grab them, shake them, tell them to just stop it and just sort themselves out. There's just, just stuff like... Even at the very start of the film, the first few minutes, and they're trying to introduce the characters to you. And I think they are purposefully meant to be these smug pricks basically stuff like oh you know oh i'm so i'm so depressed and moody because i used to listen to the smiths and echo and the bunny man when i was a kid and just <laughs> fucking hell and stuff like oh i like i like ringo best because he's like my favorite character because like nobody else likes him and you just think these people who are they these are not real realistic people surely yeah but um, the sort of the thing that won me over about it was like the, the narration is quite tongue-in-cheek and it's kind of like they're sort of poking fun at how everyone thinks they're sort of a unique snowflake and really everyone's just a bit of a twat. Yeah, that's right. And I think it kind of wouldn't be over eventually as well. I think it's part of what I actually liked about the film was how, because they're these, like, smug bastards, that you kind of, you get to stop thinking of them as real people and see it as as their characters being told in a story. So you 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 sort of cotton on to the fact that it's a story about unrequited love. What you're seeing um, is a character through the eyes of Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. So, you know, when she's actually really sort of, uh, when he's, you know, at the height of his sort of in love with her and everything, you see her as this sort of goddess-like figure in the film. So she's already elevated to this this point in the film where, you can't like her because she's just, she's been seen as better than you, you know? And then there's points where she drops down to being an absolute bitch because he's, they've sort of had a fight and stuff. And then again, you're not meant to like her because he, at that point, he doesn't like her either. So it's kind of clever. And I quite like that, actually. So it's, 
the characters, although I hated them, I think because you're meant to not really love the characters in in a, a sort of standard way, it's quite good. I quite like that about it. And um, I think it's got some interesting things to say, as as you say, about how we view people at different times based on how we're feeling at the time. Yeah. You know, the way the way that the same scene is played back, but from a different angle and with different information, and it seems totally different. You know, like the record store scene and the cafe scene, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, I, I love the way that it's actually told, like, uh, you know, where it's sort of, it's not a straightforward story. It's not told in a linear fashion. It just jumps from one point to the next. And you, as you say, once you've learned one thing, then it, in retrospect, it makes something in the past seem com- like a completely different scene. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's a very cleverly told story. Um, and, you know, one of the things that it does really well is this whole idea of, you know, when he's when he's in love with her. And the feeling of being in love and, you know, the little dance scene that he has where he sort of walks down the street and he starts doing his little dance and everyone else is joining in. And it's quite, I think it's quite sweet the way that it, it, it represents that. So I think by the end of the film, I did quite like Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character. I know stuff like, you know, the soundtrack where they're singing the Pixies at karaoke and you just think you're not... It, it is so frustrating, but at the same time, it's all songs that I actually quite like, so I can't really hate it because of the same track. That would just make me a massive hypocrite. So the stuff, yeah, I mean, the little details, they still kind of annoy me when I think about them individually. But as a story about one person in love, looking at life through sort of rose-tinted glasses almost, and it's quite a neat little film, neat little film and um, I both hate and like it at the same time. So I've got quite conflicted feelings about it. <laughs> but it's a good recommendation, I think. I put off watching it for a long time, thinking it's just going to be this quirky indie romance shite, but it was—I think it was better than that. I like the fact that it—it's it's different to your standard rom-com as well. You know, it, it is a very—it's very knowing of that <laughs> formula, but it takes it and just plays around with it. Yeah, for for a humorous effect usually as well. Mm. And I think some of it is quite funny as well. They managed to keep that that same sort of blend of humor and and romance, but done quite well so yeah was, i think it was a good recommendation um so perhaps now i'm going to talk about another film which if that 500 days of summer review didn't annoy james i'm pretty sure this one's going to and yeah, so i apologize yeah. in advance i had a feeling this was coming i watched rust and bone um which was james favorite film from last year i was yeah. a bit annoyed actually about getting this in the first place i'm sort of signed up to a newsletter where i can pick um sort of advanced DVD copies. And I missed out on Sightseer. Someone grabbed it before me. So I was sort of left with Rust and Bone, if you like. So I was a bit disappointed about that to start with. But I thought I'd give it a chance, you know. It's um, got a lot of praise from lots of different people. Um, I, I, I'll be honest. I'm kind of finding it difficult to muster up any kind of emotion towards it. Um, from a critical eye, from a critical perspective, it's, it's a good film. But probably, possibly even a very good film. You know, the acting of, is sort of of a relatively high standard. Don't think anyone in it is particularly bad. In fact, some of them are pretty pretty well acted characters. Um, but it's the, the characters in it are very um, Euro drama. So you've got the cold, distanced, willful, sexy alpha male, and you've got the tough, sexy, confident, but vulnerable female. You know, it's, it's nicely written within the context of what it is. Okay, 
but I didn't really care about them, which is a, which is a shame. Um, so to compare it to like the characters of Five Hundred Days of Summer, for example, um, you are forced to care about them one way or another, whether it's because you love them or you hate them. You you, you are sort of forced into feeling some kind of emotion towards them. In this, I just wasn't really bothered what happened to them, to be honest. It, I mean, that's not to say the film itself doesn't have emotional points throughout the story, because there's the scene particularly, um, which I won't go into a lot of detail, but it's about Alan and his son, um, which is a really sort of powerful scene, and it puts you in in that character's shoes and makes you think, what would you do, and could you do what he did, and probably not, and it's just, you know, it's, it is quite a, a heavy scene. Um, and, it, you know, it does kind of make you respect the character a bit more, I guess, or, you know, perhaps it doesn't make you respect him, however way you uh, interpret that scene. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the, the characters, I just thought, weren't they weren't big enough, you know. Um, there's also some really nice shots in the film, actually. I mean, you get to see a lot of Marion Cotillard's character doing some sort of training with the orcas, the, the sort of killer whales. Mm. Yeah. And it just looks fantastic. I mean... It's very sim- simply shot, you know, you've got a, a, a sort of killer whale behind some a glass screen and she's sort of sitting there and sort of directing them. And it just, it, it, I mean, it's really beautiful to look at. I haven't got any qualms with it at all in that respect. I think throughout the film, everything from the moment she sort of loses her legs quite early on in the film to uh, killer whale. She's a killer whale trainer. It, she, it bites her legs off, basically. She's then in a wheelchair and it's the house about how she sort of develops this relationship um, with Alan, who's this uh, fighter, does a bit of sort of street brawling, earns a bit of money. So it's a, it's a questionable, of questionable sort of morals anyway. So it's quite a nice dynamic between the two of them anyway. But like I say, I, can't, I couldn't get past the fact that I just thought, yeah, so what, you know, that's great. The film's obviously going to reach this conclusion, whether this happens or that happens. I'll be interested to know, but you know, if I, if the DVD sort of stops working or skips a scene, I'm not going to throw a fit about it. I'm just going to get on with my life, basically. I, I so, do you know what I can I can see that Owen because I watched it with um, my wife Kate, and um, <coughs> I think she had a similar reaction to you. To be honest, she thought it looked fantastic. I I I think it's got a great soundtrack, and the soundtrack is I've listened to countless times um since but if you don't care about the characters and i can see why some people might not care about the characters then yeah if you if you can't care about the characters then you're not going to find it a brilliant film I, I, I totally understand that it is totally reliant uh and on getting some empathy with <laughs> the characters um now part of it might be part of my reaction to it might have been um, you know, there's real issues of uh, fatherhood. Um, you know, the, there is a massive issue about the fact that he's a terrible dad, uh, and he is. Um, and if you can't, if you can't see beyond that, it's difficult to kind of find any good in him. It's very difficult to find some good in the main male lead in this film. Um, but if you can, and if you can kind of want them to make something better of their life for one reason or another that's how i got into it but i can totally understand i i i do understand that it's not for everyone and i don't mean that in a really kind of like patronizing i'm better than mm-hmm. people yeah i got it but other people didn't it's, i don't look at it that way but 
it made an emotional connection with me. And I think if a film as beautiful as this film is, does make an emotional connection with you, you're going to love it. Um, but at the same time, if if that emotional connection doesn't happen, if for one reason or other you don't really care about the characters, yeah, you're right. All you'll see is a very good looking and technically proficient film. Uh, mm-hmm. You will wonder why I've been banging on about how it's so brilliant. <laughs> so I, 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 I totally understand that to be fair. Um, but uh, I'm glad. I'm glad someone at least gave it a, a shot, though. Well, I had to, didn't I? Really, your favourite yeah. film from last year. Ah, oh, see. <laughs> yeah. <I'm>, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I, you know, I did like it. I kind of liked it, but I just—it's not one that I'm gonna ever, you know, rush to make sure I watch it again or throw it out as a recommendation to people all the time. I think I've seen better films last year, but I, yeah, I totally agree with your point. If you don't get on with the characters in it, then there's not really a lot left for for someone like me to to appreciate. What I would say is there is some brutal violence in it as well. I, I wasn't prepared for that the first time I saw it. It's not just about killer whales, but some of the um, some of the kind of street brawling, bare knuckle boxing scenes are don't to use a terrible pun, they don't pull any punches. Be prepared for actually, in some cases, it's quite a brutal film in that sense. Yeah, and, you know, it's meant to sort of reflect the state of his relationship with his son, isn't it? The whole sort of... It's it's a very brutal thing he's doing. It's got no remorse and, you know, he doesn't really care about anyone but himself and, you know, blah, 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 blah. So, I mean, the fact I'm just saying blah, 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 blah about it, it's completely reflects how I feel. The other thing I would say is, um, for me, Marion Cotillard is fantastic in it. Um, I, I don't know what you thought of her, because I know she's... We've talked about her before, and I think in her English-language performances, she's put in a few kind of, like, shock, you know, a bit ropey performances, but whenever I've seen her in a French film, she's utterly, utterly brilliant. And I, I just wanted to find out what you thought about her performance. Yeah, I didn't really have a problem with her in Dark Knight Rises, first mm. of all, so I just sort of put okay, that yeah. uh, <laughs> And, um, yeah, she's good in this. Yeah. You know, she's good. Got a pretty decent character to play. She, you know, obviously got cues of ways to get the audience on her side and how to not get them on her side, that kind of thing. quite a, that kind of character that she's got to play. And I think she does it competently. I wasn't... Um, you know, I remember you sort of saying that you, you wanted this to be put forward for the Oscar instead of a more, and, you know, she, you thought it was a crime that she didn't get nominated for an Oscar, and I kind yeah, of... Maybe I was to... being a bit hyperbolic there. We um, have been seeing this film, nonsense, because Amour was just unbelievable. I, 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 no, I I loved Amour, and I, I, Amour was my... I only had three perfect films last year. No, it was um, Untouchable, which I really enjoyed, but Untouchable got the French nod because Amour got the oh, Austrian nod. Oh, yeah, nod. yeah. Uh, Untouchable, which I did really enjoy, um, got the French nod. I just felt Rustin Bone should have got it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and I do think that um, Cotillard's performance, put it this way, I think Cotillard deserved a uh, nomination more than um, the nine-year-old from Beasts of the Southern Wild, put it that way. <laughs> or probably Jessica Chastain as well. Or, yeah, quite possibly, Jess. Oh, I'm okay. still bitter we, about we, that. Um, best oh, okay. move on, or we could be talking yeah. about this <laughs> all bloody night. Um, so on to the the questions that our listeners have sent in for us. Um, yeah. 
Um, Shall I take over this section, Steve? If, you if, if you like, got the questions. I've got the questions, but if you want to take over, you're more. Oh than no, welcome. no, go for it, Steve. I, I wasn't sure if you had the questions. I oh, see. It's, it's more of this. Um, this smooth. <laughs> this is the Jeff Lambin portion. I think. I think this is what. Ooh, I think this is what people like about us. Uh, yeah, it's, it's the kind of it's picture. it's like you know if if you ever listen to the XFM shows with with Ricky Gervais and Carl Pilkins and Stephen Merchant, the complete lack of planning that there seems to be, and the complete <laughs> and it just seems to be winging it as they go along. I think yeah. people like I, that. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad at least one person is putting us in that kind of category, <laughs> <laughs> even if it is ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a it's a bit like saying a, a fourth division team play the same style of football as Barcelona. Yes, they might yeah. play in the same way, but it's nowhere near as good. Yes. Anyway, anyway, from Captain Birdseye slash at John the Journo, depending on where you're intaking his words. One of our writers as well. One yes. of our writers. Mm. Good lad. Uh, it's one question number one from him. What is your favourite rubbish film? Uh, the film that you like the most, the film that you maybe love, but you're ashamed to love it. Let's start with James. Okay. I, firstly, I just want to say I, I hate the phrase guilty pleasure because if you like something, why should you feel guilty about it? That's what, if it what if it's murder? <laughs> what if you like murdering? Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now before you, <laughs> we're getting deep into philosophical territory here. Aren't we? This is this has gone deeper than I thought. Question time would. Yeah. Um, okay, Steve. Yeah, with the with the obvious exception of murder. Um, but what I will say and line dancing. Um, that's the other one. Um, Triple X. Um, I I love I love the action film. Uh, Triple X starring Vin Diesel and with a deformed Samuel L. Jackson. And Ramstein playing in the opening five minutes. It, it's utterly ridiculous. Um, it, it's just a stupid, stupid film, but it's set in Prague, which is my favorite city in the world. And it's got Ramstein at the beginning and, and actually, and it's got like a 50 mile an hour boat chase. Oh, God, it's terrible, but I can't help but love that film and watch it at least once a year. Okay. Jerry. To be honest, there's none that I'm really guilty about liking, to be honest. Um, I suppose films I can objectively see as an adult that I really liked previously. Excalibur, turns out, actually, Excalibur's a bit over the top and amateurish and a bit shit, but I bloody loved Excalibur when I was a kid. <laughs> I was half expecting you to come out with the Tom Cruise film, after all the slating that you've been giving him. <laughs> the pick of Tom Cruise film is your guilty Ooh. pleasure. See, it's like people would say something like Independence Day or something because they think that that's something you should be in. No, good film. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I'm with you on that. I, I agree with Jerry, and I can't give an answer to this question because there's no film that I like that I'd actually say, I wouldn't say to someone that I liked it. I wouldn't lie about liking it to someone. I wouldn't lie about liking Triple X, but I would, I would feel, I would blush. Yeah. Uh, Owen, then. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to pick The Happening because I know lots of people hate that film. I just think it's really misunderstood. I love it. <laughs> I think it's a film that is genuinely so bad it's good. And I think because the, the, the reaction that you get when you tell people you like it 
Um, it means that I don't generally spit off a bit. Hey, brilliant, I, I think it is so. Is that, is that the one with Marky sure. Mark and the wind that kills people? The wind gets people, yeah. yeah. They run away from the wind. See, how can you not love a film like that? <laughs> Quite easily. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and his other question is, which, which of you have walked out of a film before the end? Have any of you walked out of a film before the end? No. No? I've I've come very close. Storage twenty four was one of them. Um, Dark Shadows was one I would have walked out if I wasn't reviewing it for the podcast. But no, I've never. I I, I just can't. I, I I I'm I'm a complete. I I don't like even turning them off on the TV. Um, I, I'm, I'm a certainly off on TV, TV, but you know I, I will. I'm cinematic. I'm fucking sick. I Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I haven't. I've I've come close though. Um, I've walked out on um, The Exorcist, not for because I thought it was you know too scary or <laughs> horrendous. Or I went to, to um I won tickets to a, something called Summer Screens, which is in Reading. So they do outdoor screenings of films in the park, which is really I mean it's great to, to sort of see it and everything. Um, but it, the, they just could not control these idiots who were sitting all basically treating it as if they were a just going to the park, you know, forget the fact yeah. that everyone's going to watch a film and they were just shouting and they just, they weren't controlling them. There were problems with the audio cutting out and uh, I just thought, fuck it, it's really cold. We're just going to go. And um, so I had to walk out on that one. But, yeah, that's it, really. As you heard on, on a similar note to them doing an outdoor screen, I think it was Belfast Film Festival. I was listening to something about that on the radio and they were showing the original Evil Dead on an outdoor screen in the middle of the woods somewhere. Ooh. That would be amazing. Yeah. Rapey trees all around you. <laughs> yeah. uh, I've I turned off John Carter of Mars before the end. Yes. And I even reviewed it for the website. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is impressive. Yeah. And uh, I've walked out of the Inbetweeners movie before the end, but that wasn't because I didn't like it. I did like the film. But I think me and my friend went to see it before we were due to play Six Aside. Um, football for any of the few American listeners, soccer for any of the few American listeners that actually listen to this <laughs> and we didn't take into account I think how long the adverts and trailers would be at the beginning so we were end up going to miss kickoff so we had to leave sort of just as he jumped off the boat at the end really so we didn't miss too much but we had to leave before the end so I never knew what happened at the end until I got it on DVD so you're half skipping a beat, <laughs> Yeah, I was, you know, devastated. Couldn't sleep. No. Yeah. Uh, from at Duke, if you could banish one film from existence, what would it be? Crash. crash. No hesitation in that one. Right. It's got to be Crash. <laughs> Owen says Crash. James says... Uh, I, do you know what? I'm going to have to back Owen on that. It's, it's such a... Like, there are worse films in terms of technical proficiency and things like that, but... Everything about Crash is just hideous. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm agreeing with Owen now. Jerry? Can I change my vote then? No. <laughs> if James is going to pick Crash as well. No, locked in now. Jerry? Uh, Twilight, because then the rest of them won't get made either. <laughs> I'm going to go for Citizen Kane. No! <laughs> because it's always acclaimed as one of the best films ever. But I've, realistically, I'm never going to watch it. So if it got banished from existence, then I'd never have the people here harp on about how good it is, despite the fact I'm never going to watch I'm, it. 
What I love is, Steve, it's not even subtitled. Realistic, I'm just going to watch it. Honest. Why aren't you going to watch it, though? I just can never see my... I can never see you myself. I can never see myself. Track my... down Island. You could have watched it as a game. <laughs> I can never see myself sitting down and thinking, I want to watch that and watching it. I can just never see it happening. I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the film's about. Honestly, couldn't tell you what it's about. But I can it's never see my young lads who play ice hockey, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I could, I could never see myself watching it. So if I banish it from existence, people can stop fucking harping on about it. It's all coming out. I you are speechless. From at Duke as well, if you could save another anonymous human being or the last remaining copy of your favourite film from a burning building, which would you save? <clears throat> so I've obviously got to go with your favourite film as well, so that's what that is. So I'll start with Star Wars and uh, the anonymous human can die. <laughs> it's... Um, yeah, my, my favourite film is probably, um, Life is Beautiful, uh, but, but luckily, because my favourite, my top ten kind of shuffle around quite often, I think I could probably just about lose one of the top ten to save an anonymous That's human. not the so question. Your favourite film. It would, be fair, it would be fairly okay. ironic to say Life is Beautiful and letting someone die. That yeah, there, there is that as well, actually, isn't there? Yeah, no, I'd, I'd have to let it. I'd have to let it die. I, I, I've still got my memories, though. It's not like it's being banished from existence. It's just no one can ever watch it. Hang again. on, so I've still if, got my memories. I'd if, say it's a human, but I think I'd probably grieve for the film more than I would for the human. <laughs> if if I let the film go out of existence, point. if I let the film go out of existence, can I remake it? George, are you yes. in there? Are you in there, George? Yeah. <laughs> you probably love that. <laughs> anyway, um, um, Owen, I, w- yes. I would save. Yeah, I'd save the human because I'm not a complete monster. I think. Uh, <laughs> what, what's the film my, though? My favourite film is uh, Night of the Living Dead, so that would just have to go. I've seen it enough times now, anyway. And Jerry, anyway, if I ne- yeah, <laughs> Jerry, I said you've not done yours, have you? I have. What was it? You didn't tell us what the film was, though, Jerry. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't really have a favourite film, to be honest. It changes a lot. Oh. There's no single film that I would value over human life, put it that way. Oh. Oh, we well, if they turn out to be a novice, I'd be really annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you have to get to know this person after you save them? You'd have to, just to see if it was the right decision, wouldn't you? Oh, God, yeah, imagine. Imagine if they... Like slept with your girlfriend or something like that after doing that. That'd be horrific. Or imagine if, imagine if you sort of let let Star Wars die for them, and it turned out to be Owen, who hates Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> the irony is thick. Yeah. Any other questions? It turned out that actually it was a dastardly plot, and they set the building on fire to destroy the whole film. Oh and my god! Fell down the stairs and got knocked out, and you had to save them. And that wasn't there, and their intention was actually to destroy your favourite film. So you give them what they wanted, and then you've not made them pay for it either. It's just like an episode of the Twilight Zone. <laughs> uh, okay, um, and his other question: Who are your favourite directors, and what are your favourites and least favourites of theirs? And um, Jerry, I see you again. It's a difficult one, very difficult one. 
I think in terms of recent years, I just tried to restrict it to recent years, right? Mm-hmm. And the film yeah. most impressed me by when I thought about a director was Steve McQueen with Hunger. Mm-hmm. Because that was the direction of that blew me away. And then he made Shane, which I fucking hated. So there you go, that's answered your question. <laughs> uh, Owen? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm struggling to think who, who it would be as well. With Probably Kubrick. I mean, we've already talked about him to death, though. Mm-hmm. So uh, Tarantino's another one I quite like. Pulp Fiction's probably my favourite film of his. Kill Bill Volume 2, my least favourite by yeah. a distance. And James? Um, yeah, I, I've kind of left out Kubrick, Hitchcock, and a lot of those. And so I'm going to go for John Woo, who I talked about in the last Ooh, yeah. year as director I've possibly fallen out of love with. Um, uh, so many of them, my favorite. Probably Hard Boiled is a really obvious choice, but it probably is my absolute favorite his films. Um, and I think Mission Impossible Two would be my least favorite. Um, and I've oh no no Wind Talkers oh yeah Wind Talkers terrible film. There you go. And it's got Nick Cage in. How can a Nick Cage John Woo film be terrible? <laughs> Somehow it is. Okay. Um, from Matt Lambourne, your favourite... How about you, Steve? Oh, I can't answer a question as complicated as that. There we go. George Lucas, Star Wars New Hope, favourite one, Phantom Menace, the worst one. No. I honestly couldn't oh. answer that question as somebody who's termed as somewhere between the every man of the podcast and the idiot of the podcast. I really couldn't answer that question properly. <laughs> I think saying your favourite director, though, is a bit... I mean, you can't really compare, can you? You know, I love Tarantino films, and, you know, he's a brilliant director, but it's not comparable to, like, Terry Gilliam films, for instance. Do you know what I mean? It's totally, totally different things. Well, it's like saying your favourite band is, isn't it? I mean, you can have yeah. favourite albums, at least favourite albums, and within a genre itself and all that. Uh, Matt Lamborn yeah. said, "What is your favourite go-to movie as a kid?" James, who none of us will probably have heard of these because they're all in black and white and ancient. <laughs> Butter Moon. <laughs> Do you know what Butter Moon scared the absolute living shit out of me as a child? Butter Moon is weird. Not, I'm not a fan. No, I'm getting that confused with the Moomins. But the Moon's fine. Yeah, God, I just came across it's right a... psychotic. But the Moon is a bit like um, <laughs> but the Moon's fine. I got no problem. With... Sorry, I got confused with the Moomins. Now the Moomins scared the absolute <laughs> crap out of me as a kid. Um, my favourite go-to movies. I'm torn between Labyrinth and Back to the Future. Uh, they were the films that basically I watched alternately on on VHS. I have them taped off the TV in those VHS cases that look like books. Um, yeah, they were great. Um, I miss VHS. For me, it's somewhere between uh, Back to the Future, The Goonies, Mighty Ducks 2 and Homeward Bound. It's brilliant. I'm telling you, the amount you cry at films, you cry at least half a dozen times watching that. James would be a hazard to those around him if he watched that film. Exactly. He, he, would, unless, he would put your home insurance up because you'd now live in a flood area. Unless, unless he, but, unless yeah, he hates dogs. James, do you hate dogs? No, no, I, I like dogs and cats equally. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of those. There we go. Sitters. You'll be, you'll be, <laughs> you'll be blubbing like a girl for it. If you, have you not seen okay. Homeward Bound? For the second birthday uh, of the podcast, I'll I'll make sure I watch. Home You've not Bay. seen it. No, I've not. I, Michael no, J. Not that I recall, Michael no. J. Fox is a voice of a dog. <laughs> what more could you want? 
<laughs> Sold. I'm, I'm the second done. one's alright as well, to be fair. Mm, get out. Just now. <laughs> it's not. It's rubbish. It is, it is actually rubbish. Um, who hasn't answered this question? I think Jerry hasn't, and Owen hasn't, so Jerry. Oh, there's so many. Um, quite like Willow. Remember Willow with uh, Warren Davidson? That was pretty good. I probably watched Superman films more than any of them, but I couldn't pinpoint an exact one. But I did watch the Superman films, like, constantly. Owen? Uh, it depends what we're talking about as a kid, because from probably the age of 12 onwards, I probably watched Predator the most. That was my go-to film. Do you know what? That explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. it's. Um, I always greet everyone calling them a son of a bitch. So that's probably why. <laughs> what, about, what about when you're an actual child, then? Oh, Ju- Jurassic Park, probably. There we go. Um, his other question is if you didn't enjoy movies what would you do with your free time Owen particularly <laughs> I honestly I your answer in the time that you <laughs> watch these films um, I don't really know I mean I read a lot of comics so I'd probably be more into comics but they're quite expensive things to get into Jerry how about you why don't you answer this question next okay um I, what would I do? I don't know. I'd probably I'd find something. I'd probably like listen to musical. I'd probably read books actually. Now that I think about it, because I don't really read books anymore. <laughs> I used to read books a lot, and I barely had time to read. Readings for squares. <laughs> yeah. Ever since ever since those moving pictures came along, story pictures <laughs> don't do it for me anymore. No, it's just I'd never find the time to read. To be fair, and because I do the podcast, you kind of prioritise films, don't you? Mm. Mo- movies have killed my imagination, so I can't read a book because I can't imagine anything anymore. <laughs> That's just quite sad. Yes, it's a sad, yeah, depressing. It's a sad indictment of the world we live in. You need books with pictures in. Get comics. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Uh, if I didn't enjoy movies, what would I do in my free time? I'd watch probably more TV programs and stuff like that, or just talk about football more. So. Watch more football and talk about watch TV programs. There we go. Um, <laughs> Owen, no, James. Yeah. Um, well, I started the the blog that begat this podcast because I wanted to watch more films because I had been watching. I got sucked into TV box sets, so I'll probably be watching them. And do you know, I used to play loads of Call of Duty, and I don't think I've picked it up in the last six months. So. I'd probably be playing Call of Duty and being terrible at that online. Okay, and the final question. I don't know if anyone can remember, because I certainly can't. What is the first DVD you ever bought? I think mine, I'm pretty sure mine is uh, Gladiator, because I think I picked it up from HMV in Leicester the day the PlayStation 2 came out, because the PlayStation 2 was my first DVD player. Um, and I had to pick up a film to go. I remember picking up um, Pro... E- no, no, SSX, like some kind of snowboarding thing, and Gladiator 2-disc uh, DVD. So that, that And that's still in my collection. I honestly couldn't tell you. I, I wouldn't like to hazard a guess. I couldn't, I couldn't remember. Um, Joe, no, I have no idea, to no. be honest. Owen? 
I've, n- I've no idea what the first I ever bought was. I've, I mean, I've got a, a, a feeling it was probably a Jackie Chan film. Maybe Who Am I or uh, Rumble in the Bronx or something like that. But the, I know the first DVD I ever owned was Jack D Live. <laughs> it was a Christmas present. Oh, I, I had Jack D videos. You see, there's the age gap right there. Yeah. It uh, was amazing. The first movement from the the videos that we had to actual DVDs. Incredible. And you mm. watched a man standing still for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got to see the line on his suit. It was incredible. <laughs> you didn't have to do tracking halfway through. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, right, so new feature for the podcast to end us off with then um, what should you watch this week um, so James has told us that we've got to pick something that's available in the cinema on DVD on TV love film Netflix or anything like that um, could be a TV program could be a film could be a documentary he prefer it to be new but it doesn't have to be um, so recommend something for people to watch James this was your idea so you can start us off yeah, uh, my first one is it's just come on to US Netflix and there are now so many dead easy ways to get hold of US Netflix that uh, I'm just going to assume everyone, you don't even have to pay, just use uh, Firefox and the Media Hint extension and you can get access to US Netflix. Obviously, you still need a Netflix account. So what I'm going for is a film that I saw along with um, our good friend Dave McFarlane from Born Offside who guested on our Glasgow Film Festival podcast and that is The Thieves. It's a brilliant South Korean action heist film. Uh, I, I like to call it Pacific Ocean's Eleven. Boom. I done, yeah, I'm copyrighting is there, that is, pun. is there a whole part of the film where they have to get the gang together? Um, no, the, the great thing about this is the gang are already together. No, that's not a great thing. That's the best part of any film where you have to get a gang together, is getting the gang together. Is there a, is yeah. there a little fella who fits into, into little boxes? Um, that, they're all like that, aren't they? Way! There won't be a cockney Don Cheadle in it, though, will there? No, there's definitely yeah. not. No, it, it's, well, it is a brilliant film, and it, it has some of the best written parts for women in an action film I've ever seen. That's, I think that's really important. There are two very good and important female parts in this. They are not just eye candy or a love interest. They are a genuine part of the film, and I think that's really important. And just about kind of an hour and 20 minutes in when you're thinking, this has been a really good heist film, but I'd really like some good um, Korean stunt work. Boom, there it happens. Uh, you get loads of stunts and a brilliant firefight. It's got everything. Love this film. Uh, and it's available on US Netflix, The Thieves. Okay, I am going to recommend two things. None, neither of them new. One of them is new to US Netflix, though, relatively new. I've only been on there a couple of weeks. It's Fringe, a US TV program. Got a very X Files kind of feel to it. Uh, FBI people. It's got Mighty Duck Joshua Jackson in it as well, hasn't it? It has got Mighty Ducks as Joshua Jackson in it as well. Um, <laughs> Which I'm sure he'd be, he loves to be termed as. Um, <laughs> in fact, if I met him and he was ashamed of making them films, I'd, I'd be furious. I'd lose faith in mankind. Anyway, yeah, basically, there are a few people. There's Joshua Jackson, um, there's uh, an FBI agent, um, Joshua Jackson's dad, who is very clever, got an IQ of about 200, and they go around 
basically solving odd paranormal mysterious things that happen around mostly in around the Boston area um yeah very X-Files feel to it so if you like the X-Files you'll probably like this cool and also I'd like to stay with the Boston area and after watching pretty much all of it well watching all of it in pretty much a short space of time watch Cheers I mean there's probably a lot of people who are around my age who listen to this podcast who know of Cheers who have seen Cheers but they watched it when they were younger and they didn't really get it all it's genuinely one of the best sitcoms I've ever watched so watch it all the way through I haven't watched it for years either where's that available still? that's on Netflix US possibly um, other versions of Netflix as well but it is just brilliant from start to finish there's no bad character in it there's obviously the odd weak episode but every character is brilliant Um, so that's me done and Jerry uh, well, obviously, if you're not watching the Mad Men and Game of Thrones are on, get them watched. Um, but I'm going to recommend Take My Eyes, which is a Spanish film, which I talk about in uh, my decade film article this week. Fantastic film, which is which will be up by the time people listen to this. What, as well. What's it's the title? Is. is it is it also called Julia's Eyes? Is this the same thing? No, it's called it's a it's a crap translation. Actually, it annoys me because the doy mis ojos is the the Spanish. And that means, like, I'll I say give, that again, Jerry. I'll I give you my eyes, te doy mis ojos. Oh. Which means, I give you my eyes, whereas this is take my eyes. It's a bit different. Anyway, um, it's a film, basically a film about domestic violence, so it doesn't sound too fun, but it's a fantastic, fascinating uh, film. It's on Netflix, and if you want more detail on that, read the article. Owen, what would you recommend for people? Um, well, I went to a preview... Um, yesterday of The Look of Love, which I know James has talked about before, which is due out this week, uh, Michael Winterbottom's latest film um, and his fourth collaboration with Steve Coogan. So, I mean, if you like stuff like um, 24-hour party people or Cock and Ball Story, or if you watch the TV series The Trip, which was on last year or the year before with Steve Coogan yeah. and, and Rob Brydon, if you like those, you'll like The Look of Love, I think. It's about Paul Raymond, the uh, who was the sort of richest... British businessman um, who built his empire around sort of erotica and uh, soft porn and that kind of thing. Brilliant performances in it. Imogen Poot, who plays his daughter, is, I think she's great. I think Steve Coogan is brilliant. Um, didn't quite find him as partridgey as uh, James did, <laughs> um, but th- there's definitely sort of elements of, you know, various different characters, Tony Farino and, you know, his sort of own. Steve Coogan on-screen characters that sort of merge into it. But it's, I thought it was really good. I thought it was a very good film. Um, brilliant sort of biopic. Um, so, yeah, I'd recommend going to see that if you've got time because, of course, Iron Man 3 is out this weekend as well. Yes, yes. that is what yeah. we'll be doing next week. Iron Man 3 will be our main review. Um, James, anything left to say before we finish? Just that uh, you can obviously find our uh, website at failcritics.com. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash failcritic or on Twitter at at failedcritics. Wonderful. Thank you for listening, not just today, but for the last year. Um, I'm going to cry in a minute. (laughs) Thanks for everyone who's contributed in any way whatsoever, including Big Kev McLeod from (laughs) Incompetech.com. for the wonderful music that plays us in and out. Cheers, Kev. Uh, 
Can't wait to meet you for a beer soon, mate. <laughs> uh, thanks, thanks, one and all, and uh, same time next week. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.